This morning, uh, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is where we'll be, uh, verses 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 17 and 18. I'm going to read that this morning as we start out our time together, and then we'll read it again. Um, probably two or three times, and we're actually going to be in a couple different passages in addition to this, which we'll read later on. So 2 Corinthians 3, uh, verse 17, you can jump down there, and it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, hear this, and now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate or behold or reflect the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This morning, we're going to actually wrap up our uh, series that we've been in um, almost this entire fall. Uh, The series has been titled, Belonging and Becoming uh, the Family of God. Uh, Belonging and Becoming uh, the Family of God. And we've looked at a lot of aspects of what it means to be the family of God. And so if it's your first time with us, you can go back, hop online, listen to all the podcasts about all the things that we unpacked about, hey, here's what it means to be brothers and sisters. Here's what it means to to be people who live and look at each other as brothers and sisters as opposed to just kind of random acquaintances that we just happen to be together on Sunday mornings. We've looked at what is this idea of us to live like a family, for us to to love like a family. We've looked at what it looks like for us to be a family here in Nashville on mission in our city, what it looks like to be a family that is passionate about people coming to know Christ, what it looks like for us to be a family committed to God first and foremost and committed to one another and committed to bringing people into the family of God here in the city and beyond. And so we're actually going to end this series today with this kind of big idea, this big idea, and if you write things down, this is kind of the big idea. We are a people in process. We are a people in process. And so if we as individuals are in process, that makes us a family in process, right? If we, the people, make up the family of God, then that makes us a family that's in process. And so the life of following Jesus, if you're, if you're new to this whole thing, the life of following Jesus is this continual journey. It's this continual journey, and we can pinpoint this reality very quickly, pretty easily, when you examine the phrase following Jesus or Jesus follower Because when you think about following someone, when you're following someone, it means that you're moving. It means that you're going. It means that you're headed somewhere. It means that you're advancing. It means you're not standing still, I guess, unless that person's standing still. But Jesus is not standing still. And so you're headed in a direction. You're moving as you follow someone. So this idea of being a people in process, this idea of us continuing to follow Jesus, it has a significant impact on us, both on a personal level and on a communal level. Uh, As we kind of grasp this today, it's going to have an impact both on us personally, but also on us communally as we look at what does it mean to be, what does it mean to be a family in process? 
And so we've talked about it. That's why we're ending here. We've talked about this over the last uh, couple of months. But guess what? It's not like we're magically going to end this series, and then tomorrow we're going to be like, oh, that's great. We've got it all figured out. Uh, Overnight, we are living into what it means to be the family of God. No, it's going to take us a lifetime together of becoming the family of God, to live into it more fully as he intended so the biblical word or the spiritual word that kind of sums up what we're talking about today, this big idea of being a people in process is sanctification. So if you're writing things down, write down sanctification. And that's a kind of a big fancy word that we're going to unpack um, today as a church family. We're going to kind of unpack what it, what it is, uh, what it looks like, why it's important. And one of my favorite people in the world um, to hang out with is my wife's grandmother. We call her Granny. Um, Her name is Edna Vance. And uh, I love spending time with her. Um, She became my Granny when I married Keela. And she's just one of my favorite people uh, to spend time with, one of my favorite people uh, to talk to. And one of the reasons I love it is because her heart just beats for Jesus. Um, It has for a very long time. But what I love, she's 87 years old. She lives in the outskirts of Murray, Kentucky. And Edna Vance, Granny, um, is continually, it blows my mind how much that she loves Jesus. Um, I was talking with her, I guess it was this past Easter. She was telling me about kind of their, their worship gathering at Scott's Grove Baptist Church in Murray, Kentucky. And she was like, Andrew, she's like, the Spirit of God got a hold of me. She's like, I knew it was time for me to rededicate my life to Jesus. So she's like, this past Easter, I rededicated my life to the Lord. She's like, I want to spend the remaining years of my life on this planet living for Jesus, telling others about Jesus. And as she's doing this, she's not saying it like I am. She's just in tears, like telling me about what God was stirring in her. 87 years old, rededicating her life to Jesus. And then uh, a couple months ago, when she was up after Ike was born, uh, she was just, we were just talking. One of my favorite things to do, talk to her. I'm like, what's going on in your life? Because I know it's going to be good and Jesus is going to be involved. And she's like, you know what, Andrew? She's like, I have just decided every moment is going to be, is going to be Jesus's. So she's like, I was driving to Walmart the other day. She's like, I'm driving to Walmart, big thing in Murray, Kentucky. And uh, she's like, I'm driving to Walmart. She said, you know what? I was like, Lord, if there's someone you want me to talk to, I'll talk to them. She's like, if there's someone that needs to know the good news of Jesus, I'm going to share it. She's like, I've been trying to do this wherever I go. And so she's like, I get to Walmart and there's a lady sitting on the bench kind of at the front, front area of Walmart. And she's like, I knew right away that was the person that I was supposed to talk to. She's like, actually, I got a little scared. And so I went into Walmart and she's like, I was shopping. And I said, you know what, Lord? Okay, if that woman is sitting on that bench, when I come out of Walmart, then I will talk to her. She's like, sure enough, the woman's still sitting on the bench when I come out of Walmart. And she's like, I just sat down and I said, do you know Jesus is Lord? Do you know Jesus is a savior? And she was like, yes, actually, I'm a Christian. So she's like, I spent the next 30 minutes just talking to her, ministering to her, praying to her. I'm like, this 87-year-old hero of mine is still soft to the work of Jesus in her life. And this is what it looks like. This is what it means to live a life of continual sanctification. Becoming like Christ is this process. It's this transformation. It's this journey that takes place over a lifetime. And this is not 
about us following rules. This is about us finding the life that God intended for us. And so if I had to give you just a definition, a working definition as we get started of sanctification, this life of process, this is what it would be. It would be the inward spiritual process where God brings about holiness and change in the life of a Christian by means of the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. It's the inward spiritual process where God brings about holiness and change in the life of a Christian by means of the Holy Spirit. But before we jump in and really start kind of breaking down and looking at, hey, what does this mean to live this life of sanctification? I wanna make sure we're not confusing it with another word because this is kind of where you confuse works versus faith. And so this other word is justification. And you're like, oh great, another word that I have to, justification versus sanctification. Real simply, justification is salvation. That is your moment of salvation. This is that moment when you decide, hey, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Your sins completely wiped clean. This is that moment that you were justified. This is that moment of justification in your life. This is that moment when you were, quote, born again. The old self is gone. You've been made new in Christ. The finished work of Christ on the cross, this is that moment no question about it. You've been saved, like finished, complete. That's what Paul says in Romans 3. He says the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew, Gentile, anybody. It doesn't matter who you are. All have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God, but all are justified all are justified freely by his grace. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. And so that moment of giving your life to Jesus, that's that moment that you are now in Christ. And that's an important phrase to kind of remember. You see it throughout all the scripture. That moment of justification is that moment that you became in Christ, that moment that you became united with Christ. Your old self was gone. You were made alive in Christ. Remember in Ephesians, we studied Ephesians a few months ago together. And in Ephesians, all of the implications of what it means for us who are in Christ. Those of us who are in Christ, it means that you were crucified. It means that you were raised again. And it now means you are seated with Christ in the heavenly, heavenly realms. This moment comes immediately. No question about it. You don't have to worry. But in order to become like Christ, we must first be in Christ. And remember, we can only become like Christ if we are first in Christ. And so becoming like Christ, sanctification, comes after we are in Christ, justification. I'll kind of give you a, maybe a more practical example of how this maybe plays out in everyday life. Um, so when Keila and I got married, um, wedding day, we said vows, we exchanged rings, and in that moment, we became officially married. We signed the document. There was no doubt about it. We were married both legally and covenantly. Her dad might have questioned it, but there was no doubt about it. We were 
We were married. Now, did we have everything figured out about marriage? Did we know everything there was to know about a lifelong together in marriage? Do we have a deep sense of communion? Do we have a deep sense of intimacy and communication with one another yet? No. That is and was a process. We are in the process of sanctifying our marriage. Our marriage was justified on the wedding day, and we are now in the midst of sanctifying. And, and yes, like, Wedding day was a blast, it was an awesome party, it was a celebration, but the reality is the joy, the joy is now coming in the sanctification process. The deeper levels of communion and intimacy with one another are coming in the sanctification process. The past five years, and I know the years ahead, are gonna hold so much more for us than that one moment on our wedding day that celebration with our friends and family. And this, this is kind of the same for us as followers of Jesus. That moment of justification is not the end road. The joy, the joy of following Jesus comes as we are continually changed, continually becoming like him. This, this is where life begins to be found. And so 2 Corinthians gives us some insight here. Uh, verse 17, I'll read it one more time. And I'll kind of hone in on, on where we're going to be. In verse 17, it says, And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, and we all who with unveiled faces, we behold the Lord's glory. We are being transformed, being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And if I had to give you kind of three words, let's be honest, you're not going to remember a lot of what I say, but if I had to give you three words to hold on to from 2 Corinthians 3, it would be freedom, spirit, and glory. Freedom, spirit, and glory, 2 Corinthians 3. And let's take a look at kind of how these words uh, transform our lives, how these words play out in our just life of sanctification. And I love it starts off. I love how it starts off by letting us know, hey, here's what's available. Here's what's available as you continue to walk with Jesus. It's freedom. Deeper levels of freedom are on the table. And that process of sanctification is, once again, not us about following a set of rules, but us stepping into the life that God created this world for us to exist in. You see, we're kind of working back to the place that he created us for. Because when he created this world and he thought us up and he made us out of dust, he created us for this life of freedom. And 2 Corinthians reminds us there is freedom available in places that you never thought you could experience freedom. Because when the power of God is in your life, when the presence of God is in your life, freedom will be found. Freedom will be born. And it tells us, it says, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, it is this dynamic aspect to the sanctification process. So freedom, Spirit, it is the Spirit of God that is this dynamic player in our sanctification process. And Jesus, he tells us, 
He knew this was the case. Think about it back in John where Jesus says, hey, I have to go so that the Spirit can come and dwell in you. It's actually gonna be better for me to go. Did you know Jesus said that? He said, it's actually gonna be better for me to go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And it's this the Spirit of God that continually is sanctifying our lives because it's his presence. It's in the midst of his glory that this change begins to take place. And this word glory, you know, we're gonna unpack this word glory because if we wanna be a family, if we wanna be a family that is passionate about being sanctified by God, we have to be a family that's passionate about being in the presence of God because it's in his presence, it's in his glory that we are transformed into his image. Do we hunger, do we thirst, do we long to be in the refining presence of God? Do we long to be in the midst of his glory? And I love that this verse 18 also just affirms the fact that it's a process. You know, this ever-increasing glory that is available, it's a process. We're walking in it. We're working towards it. And we can't let our lack of perfection keep us from his presence because I know this happens far too often in my life and I see it so often where our lack of, our lack of perfection keeps us from being in his presence because it's in his presence, it's in his love, right? It's in his glory that our rough edges begin to be smoothed out. Okay, so freedom, it's available by the work of the Spirit in the midst of God's presence, his glory. And Christ unlocked a way of living in freedom, deeper levels of freedom. And I want us to just kind of look at practical examples of, hey, how does this play out in our lives? How does God, in partnership with the Spirit, just sanctify our lives? And I want to look at our mind and our thoughts, our mind and our thoughts. Um, I'll tell you why here in a little bit, why I've just been kind of thinking about how our mind and our thoughts, I got on a TED Talk kick that took me down a rabbit hole of the power of our minds. But Paul, he gives us insight in Romans Romans 12. So Romans 12, 2, that's kind of the second place we'll be. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So do not conform to the patterns of this world, your old ways of thinking, your old ways of living, but instead be transformed or sanctified. How? By the renewing of your mind. And we're not gonna go into great detail here with Romans 12 too, because Cyrus a few weeks ago unpacked Romans 12 in a really amazing way. I actually encourage you, if you've got time, it's well worth it. Go back and listen to Cyrus's teaching if you weren't here. But I wanna talk about the power of the mind. Think of how creative God is, period. Much less how he designed us, giving us the minds and the brains to, to think and operate like we do. I, I only tend to think about uh, miracles in association with the miraculous. And, but think about just the, the miracle, the miraculous aspect it is of just how God designed us, like how God 
created us. The fact that he gave us a mind to think and comprehend and, and study things. And once again, I got down this rabbit hole of a TED Talk about the power of the mind. And I was literally taught that your mind, your brain, actually changes shape depending upon what you're thinking about. So the things that you spend time thinking about and dwelling on are actually growing or shrinking your brain, like the synapses. I'll read a quick portion of an article because I can't really talk about it uh, that much. So here's a scientific article that I was reading earlier this week. It says, every minute of every day, your body is physically reacting, literally changing in response to the thoughts that run through your mind. It's been proven over and over again that just thinking about something causes your brain to release neurotransmitters, which are chemical messengers that allow it to communicate with parts of itself in the nervous system. Hang with me, you science folks. I know you're, you're with me. So neurotransmitters, they control virtually all of your body's functions, from hormones to digestion to feeling happy, sad, stressed. And studies have shown that thoughts, thoughts alone can improve vision, fitness, and strength. It's the placebo effect, it says. As observed with fake operations and sham drugs, for example, it only works because of the power of our thought. So expectancies and learned associations have been shown to change brain chemistry and circuitry, which results in real physiological cognitive outcomes, such as less fatigue, lower immune system reaction, elevated hormone levels, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you get the idea. Like our minds are a powerful thing. And I think God obviously knew this. He, he created us. And do you think God wants to use the mind that he has given us as a way of transforming us more into his own image? And I don't think Paul's talking about, you know, hey, memorize some scripture with your mind. Like, you know, memorize some, some things. But I think what he's saying is, Meditate on the word of God. Be, be transformed by the word of God. Sit in the word of God. Sit in the presence of God to the point that it's just like flowing, flowing out of you. This is the renewing of your mind. Have you ever moved to a different house in the same city? Have you ever moved a house like here in Nashville, moved from one house to another? I did this a few years back. And what I found was I took the same route pretty much from work. Um, so I'd come home and I'd hit this intersection and I would naturally want to turn right. I would naturally want to turn right because that's where my old home was. So I would actually find myself like pulling up to the interstate, Harding and Franklin, and I would start turning right and I would be like, no, no, no. You don't live there anymore. You live that way. <laughs> my new home was like straight, but my natural tendency was to turn right. And for about two, three months, I actually had to think with my mind, okay, don't turn right here. That's where you used to live. Go straight. That's where you now live. Pull up to the intersection. Okay, no, 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 no. It's where you used to live. Don't turn right go straight, and eventually, by the renewing of my mind, I started going to where, to where I now live. 
Think about this in, in our walk with the Lord. Our old self, our new self in Christ. How many times do we have to tell ourselves, oh, no, 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 no. Don't take a right here. You don't live there anymore. Go straight. That's who you are in Christ. And later on in the scriptures, he actually talks about taking our thoughts captive. It says, take your thoughts captive. I don't know if you realize how much you're actually talking to yourself. Like, do you realize how often you're talking to yourself. You're talking to yourself right now. You're thinking, I don't really talk to myself that much, see? <laughs> so this idea of taking our thoughts captive, taking control of our minds, it's important to the heart of God because it tells us, hey, you don't live, you don't live here anymore. You live here. This is who you are in Christ. What are the thoughts that consume you? What do you spend your time thinking about? Because what you're thinking about and who you're thinking about is changing who you are and how you're living, whether you want it to or not. And this is why the word of God is so important to the children of God, to the people of God, because it says, okay, this is not true. This is not true. This is true. It reminds us, hey, we don't take a right here. We go straight. And today we're going to end in Hebrews 12. Turn with me there. Hebrews 12. I'm going to wrap up there. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, just two verses. So real quick, 2 Corinthians 3, it's where we started. The freedom that is available in the sanctifying walk with Christ. Romans 12, the power that our minds, the power that our thoughts have in the sanctification process. Hebrews 12, verses one and two, this is where we're gonna end. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And let us run with perseverance the race marked before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. So real quickly, there's two things here I want us to see. He talks about two things. It says anything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I don't know if you kind of group those together naturally, but he, he breaks it up. He talks about two things. And so he's talking about everything that hinders our walk with Jesus, everything that prevents us from living into the life, the joyful life of freedom that God created us for, to live into. Seems to be pretty serious. He says, okay, throw off everything that hinders your walk with Christ. So it seems like there are some things that maybe are morally neutral that might not be good for my walk with Christ. It's what Cyrus talked about a few weeks ago. It's what Brandon talked about last week. Are we, are we choosing what's best? Not are we choosing what's good, but are we choosing what's best? And I won't go down my laundry list of things that kind of keep me from my walk with Christ because it's a very personal thing. 
Some of you, something that hinders one of you might not hinder the person next to you. That's why it's a, it's a personal thing. So for one of you, social media might be this place where you just have this deep connection with other brothers and sisters. Social media is this place where you are spurred on in your faith, where others of you, it's this place where you kind of get consumed by the ways of the world. It's a personal thing, and it's different for all of us, but the author makes it pretty clear. Whatever is getting in the way of Christ sanctifying your life, throw it off. Get rid of it. And then Paul goes on to say the obvious. He says, in the sin that so easily entangles us, get rid of it. Throw that off too. Why? Because it so easily entangles us. Done. Get rid of it. Start walking the other way. And I started realizing one of the deepest barriers for, for me personally, and I think for a lot of us, is this tendency to, to manage sin as opposed to getting to the root cause you know, mowing over our sin as opposed to like pulling out the root cause of that sin. I think this is one of the biggest barriers to our sanctifying process in Christ. Because managing a behavior will not set the heart free, period. But by the power of the Spirit, getting to the root of what's causing that sin, we can and will find freedom. And I love the picture, and this is where we'll end. I love the picture that Hebrews gives us of this just refining, transforming, continual process with Christ. He says, let's run with perseverance, the race set before us. How? By fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's the pioneer. He's the perfecter of our faith. Let's be Jesus people. Let's be Jesus, people. Let's be constantly fixing our eyes upon the person and the ways of Jesus. And once again, this is not about us following this set of rules. It's about us finding the life that God created us for. And so we're people in process. We're a family in process. And my question this morning is will our hearts, will our lives be open? Will we continually be open to, to the work of God, to the Spirit of God, to the voice of God? Because I'm convinced it is a soft heart that may be the most important aspect to this sanctifying process so that we can experience the joy and the freedom that he wants for us. And so there's... Honestly, if you forget everything that I said and you leave with these two questions, two questions that have been influential in my life over the last year and a half, two questions. What is the Holy Spirit saying? And what am I gonna do about it? What is the Holy Spirit saying? And what am I gonna do about it? What is the Holy Spirit telling me? And how am I responding? What is the Holy Spirit saying? How am I responding? And I'm convinced if every believer across the world started asking these questions and living into them, the world around us would begin to change because the Spirit of God is on the move. Do we want to be a part of it? Do we want to be a part of what he's doing in this city and beyond? And when we start asking, when we start thinking about it, 
when we start dwelling upon, okay, God, like, what do you have for me today? Okay, Lord, what are you teaching me in this moment? Okay, Spirit, hey, lead my steps today. And as we, as the people of God, ask these two questions over and over and over again, our lives begin to be sanctified. Whether we want to or not, it's gonna happen. If you're not following Jesus and you're here today and you, yes, I'm ready. I wanna follow Jesus. And we're in this with you. We, we are so pumped you're here. I just invite you to come to the back respond banner. We'd love to pray and talk with you about what that means. If you've been running the other way, you know, if you're like, I haven't been living into this. I have not been desiring to be sanctified by Christ. I'm good with the justification part. Check. Eh, I don't know about the sanctification process. Hey, turn around. It's not too late. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Start following him again. It's that easy. It's that easy. So I want to invite us to stand. We're going to head to communion together, continue processing this as a family. And as we head to communion, um, I want to invite you to kind of think through, live into that, those two questions. Hey, what's, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? And how are you responding? What's the Holy Spirit saying? And how are you responding? So I'll pray for us and we'll head to communion together as a family. Uh, Father, we just acknowledge that it is your word, your spirit that transforms us. Um, it is not our own work. It is not our own power. It is not our own strength. It is the grace-given gift of your spirit. So Jesus, we just thank you for, for coming, for living, for dying, for raising and giving us the gift of the indwelling of your spirit in us. Father, Abba, Papa, we would ask that just in this time of communion, uh, you would just show us the, the gift that we have in your voice just speaking to us. Will you just speak in this time of communion, Lord? If you're convicting hearts um, to, to give their life uh, to you, Lord, will you just give them the strength to come back and profess uh, your name, Jesus? Lord, we just thank you for this time and the gift of, uh, the, gift of the church. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.